special technique. Spe- special technique of shadow boxing. Sunday, February 10th, 2019. I am your host, James Bell, lead boxing analyst for the cohort Truth on Sports. Catch boxing articles and more on bchconsports.com. Number to dial in to have your take on boxing is 347-237-5539. Once again, 347-237-5539. Three nine press the one key uh, to get in your uh, take on boxing, and um, we have a few things that we're going to be uh, covering uh, today. Uh, pretty much uh, most of the action uh, that had uh, been going on over the weekend. Um, we have uh, you know right now. Uh, some live boxing action on ESPN as uh, you have uh, former world champion Raymundo Beltran taking on Hiroki Okada. Uh, Hiroki Okada is uh, undefeated there at 19 and 0 uh, with uh, Raymundo Beltran uh, there at 35, 8 and 1. Uh, you know, with uh, Beltran's uh, previous fight uh, where he did uh, lose the WBO lightweight title to Jose Pedraza uh, back in August 25th. Um, right now, uh, we're in the uh, fourth round of this particular fight, pretty much uh, going on uh, halfway through uh, the uh, fourth round. And, uh, you know, it looks like uh, Raimundo Beltran has a little bit of a lead there, but, you know, Okada's uh, staying in there, um, you know, throwing a lot of punches against the Beltran, but also eating a lot of punches himself. He's like eating a few counters uh, here and there. Uh, did uh, get knocked down uh, earlier in this fight, so he's you know pretty much uh, kind of was fighting from behind. Uh, he did uh, buckle Raimundo Beltran, um, you know, at one point, but uh, didn't uh, score a knockdown or uh, have uh, Beltran in real trouble to. Um, have uh, this be in danger of a stoppage. Uh, but, you know, he's been game uh, here so far through um, three rounds and, uh, you know, this fourth round uh, coming uh, under one minute. So uh, that's the uh, live action right now on ESPN. Raimundo Beltran going up against Rokia Okada, uh, the main event. Uh, here at the St. Martin Arena in Fresno, California, will be Jose Carlos Ramirez going on uh, or taking on uh, Jose Cepeda for the WBC uh, Super Lightweight title uh, there. Um, 
you know, you also have, you know, in action, um, Genesis uh, Cervania uh, going up against uh, Carlos Castro, and um, it seems like uh, we may have had a, uh, you know, a um, thing here where uh, Joel Diaz Jr. Uh, was also uh, part of the uh, card action and also uh, lost uh, by a third round uh, knockout to uh, Christian Rafael Corda. Uh So that was his second loss in his last three fights. Uh, he did uh, have yeah, a fight against uh, Regis Progress uh, back in 2017. Um, of course, uh, Progress is the uh, diamond uh, super lightweight champion there. So um, he also uh, suffered a loss here. So, um, so that's what we got going on right now. Um, you know, we're going to you know try to cover the uh, action uh, that took place uh, yesterday. As there was a uh, you know a lot of um, activity going on in uh, the uh, card in California, which included. Uh, Gavante Tank Davis, uh, but we also had a uh, upset of sorts uh, that happened, you know, uh, there with um, over in uh, the uh, Indio, California. Uh, so we'll be uh, going through uh, that as well. So, um, you know, right now we're just, uh, you know, catching the live action um, with uh, Raimundo Beltran. Uh, out there against Hiroki Okada and uh, waiting for the main event to uh, take place uh, here after this fight is done. Uh, But uh, once again, if y'all wanted to uh, call in, uh, the number to dial is 347-237-5539. Once again, that's uh, 347-237-5539. Press one key to get on cue. And you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, the uh, main focus uh, from, you know, yesterday uh, was that, uh, you know, we had the WBA a super title uh, that was on the line uh, as you had, you know, Gavante uh, St. Davis. Uh, they're going up against Hugo Ruiz. And, um, of course, uh, the, uh, you know, small backstory to that. Uh, one is uh, Gabonte Davis, you know, getting back in the ring after, you know, pretty much an extended layoff uh, with his last fight uh, being against Cases Cuellar uh, back in April of uh, 2018. Uh, so he, you know, gets his uh, first fight back uh, since then. Of course, he's been you know, fairly active in the uh, social media uh, world in the sport of boxing and, you know, also, you know, having appearances here and there in a few events and uh, talking a lot about possibly uh, fighting a another fighter there within the super featherweight division. Uh, but, you know, he was able to, you know, get a fight um, in place uh, in parts of California and, of course, it was uh, originally scheduled to be against, uh, you know, uh, world uh, world title 
or former uh, world champion um, Abner Mares, uh, but you know, leading into the this past weekend, uh, we saw that Abner Mares could not um, take part in this uh, fight against uh, Gamonte Davis um, because he had a attached uh, retina uh, suffered, uh, so he couldn't be a part of the fight. And so they inserted uh, Hugo Ruiz uh, there to be uh, part of this uh, particular matchup. Um, of course, uh, like I said, this was, a, you know, the first fight uh, that they had uh, for Monte Tank Davis, um, you know, since uh, since his uh, fight last year. So uh, the thing about it is, is that, you know, we were trying to see uh, where Devontae uh, Davis was at in this particular point of his career. Uh, Hugo Ruiz, um, of course, was, you know, someone that is, you know, bouncing up and down, uh, but, you know, mainly was in the uh, Super Bantamweight division uh, there before uh, getting into the, you know, one, one fight. Uh, that he had at the uh, featherweight division, which was like one month uh, before this particular fight. Uh, so they inserted him right in after uh, he got the uh, unanimous decision win over Alberto Guevara. Uh, but, you know, his uh, main campaign uh, was there in uh, super feather. I mean, not super featherweight, excuse me, but super bantamweight. Um, so, you know, they just, you know, inserted him in to see if, uh, you know, Tank Davis could actually be in the ring and, you know, work a little sweat here and there or whatever it was. But uh, leading up uh, leading up to the fight, uh, he had that weigh-in uh, where he was pretty much like a half-pound overweight. Uh, he pretty much, you know, sweated it off and, um, you know, got a little haircut or whatever it is. Uh, you know, send a few things off his head and, uh, eventually made weight for this particular fight. Um, so we got in there against Hugo Ruiz and did what many people expected. Uh, kind of like measured Hugo Ruiz and uh, took him out in the first round with the right hand uh, that buzzed him. And uh, Ruiz went down to the canvas, uh, got you know, his catch. Uh, and, um, you know, he, the referee looked at him and said, nah, you, you won't be uh, able to finish off this fight. So uh, first round knockout for Gamonte Tank Davis. He um, retains his WBA super title at the super featherweight division and stays undefeated at 21-0. Uh, real quick, uh, we got a caller in here, 646. What's good with you? Yo, JR, what's good, man? It's your boy, Matt, coming to you live and direct from the gloom tomb, New York City, Bronx, New York. Yeah, Braun, stand up. Yeah, man. Yo, you saw my man, uh, Tank Davis, man. That was just a preview of what's going to happen to my man, Tension, the kickboxer. Because apparently, <laughs> apparently that's his next to Tank. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, man. Yo, Tank did what he's supposed to do. You already know how I am. If you're in there with somebody... You're supposed to get out of there. I always say, you better get him out of there. And Tank don't get paid by the hour. He got that man out of there quick, exploded his whole face. I was like, wow, this dude knows he's leaking. 
he ain't want that no more. So my whole thing is, I know a lot of people are going to criticize it because the guy uh, was a smaller dude, but you know what? Tank did what he's supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Blow him out. If, if you got somebody in the ring that's not supposed to be in there with you, you blow him out. Don't be like Dimitri Bivol when he's fighting John Pascal, and Pascal is way past it, washed up, and you can't get him out of there, and then you're crying that you, that you felt his power. No, when you with somebody who can get out of there, get him out of there. And that's what Tank did. So I don't really care about the weight thing. I'm just glad that he did what he was supposed to do. And I'm looking forward to this kid staying more active. He got to be active. And when I say active, I don't mean active against uh, a Japanese kickboxer. I mean active against real boxers. <laughs> maybe someone coming up from 126. Maybe somebody coming down from 135. But he needs to stay more active. And, and, and that's really all I have to say about that. Hey, I mean, hey, if he could uh, possibly earn an easy, you know, one point five two million, uh, you know, fighting the kickboxer, why not go for it? You know what I mean? I mean, if it's out there for him and uh, the demand <laughs> is there, why not go ahead and take it? <laughs> well. I, I actually heard that the fight with Tank and the kickboxer, if it does happen, is actually going to be a kickboxing match. It's not going to be boxing rules. So I don't know about that. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you know, there is that. But, you know, also, you know, it had that possibility uh, of uh, Tank Davis kind of like trying to see if he could have a fight near the Baltimore area. That's what they, he was uh, telling Jim Gray at the end of their uh, post-fight interview that, you know, we might, you know, try to have a fight uh, back there in Baltimore area or see if there's, like, something in, uh, you know, within D.C. or, uh, you know, where they have the uh, MGM National Harbor where, um, you know, Gary Russell Jr. has uh, most of his fights at, and maybe he could get a fight there um, in the near future. But, um I think you may have had, like, some type of idea of, you know, when uh, Tank's fight really should be uh, next up. Uh, you wanted to, you know, throw out that idea for the people? Say that again? Uh, like, uh, you did, like, um, an idea of uh, when Tank's fight, Tank's next fight should be, um, where he could oh, be yeah. more active. Well, I think... It should be on the Wilder Fury undercard in May, because May May 18 is looking like the the agreed upon date. Um, it's not going to be April. It looks like it's looks like it's May. Um, I think he should be on that card, and I say that for two reasons. One, it benefits Tank because that card is going to get a lot of publicity. It's going to get a lot of excitement. And the last time Tank was on a pay-per-view card with a lot of publicity and excitement, he didn't exactly put his best foot forward. He missed weight. He came out in a, a ugly fur getup, and he he was underwhelming against uh, Fonseca. This would be a chance for him to redeem himself. And not only that, I think this would be a, a, a big opportunity for Showtime and PBC to put together a bona fide, I need to watch this pay-per-view card. So if, if I'm Tank Davis, I'm trying to get on that Wilder Fury undercard. I, I'm trying to be, you know, 
Not as you know, I have another bout that I want to be the co-feature. But B, right before the co-feature, Tank draws a lot of tickets on the East Coast. Um, when Brona was fighting, uh, was when, who was he fighting? Was he fighting Garcia when Tank was on his undercard? I know Tank uh, came to Brooklyn. Tank was on the undercard in uh, Brona's fight against Ashley Theophane, um back in um, April of 2016. Yeah, and, and Tank brought a lot of people with him, a lot of fans. Like It was crazy when Tank came out. So Tank is a popular East Coast fighter uh, uh, on the Eastern Seaboard. So to me, please, just 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 for the sake of boxing fans, keep this kid active and put him in like the biggest positions to 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 become a popular fighter. Because I actually do think Tank Davis eventually could be a pay per view fighter, but they have to keep him active and market him correctly because in the ring. He does all the marketing for himself. Like, this kid is a killer, for lack of a better term. So keep him active, get him out there, put him on the high-profile stuff, get him front-facing, and I think that'll help him and that'll help the PBC brand in general. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. the thing about it is, is like, yeah, he, he keeps having those uh, – you know, customary uh, liners as far as like, well, I got to wait on my team, see what's next for me and everything like that. Um, but I think for for him to kind of like build into the uh, pay-per-view uh, person that he wants to be, he's going to have to, you know, kind of like try to take charge of, you know, where his career is going and say, okay, you know what? This is this is you know where I want to go. These are the people that I want to fight. These are the people that I want to take on, um, because you know if he doesn't do that, then he'll probably be, you know, just matriculating as far as like trying to get up there. While you have like other fighters that are, you know, trying to take more charge of where they want to be in their career. I mean, you know, you have a, you know, an example uh, coming up here with, uh, you know. <clears throat> Mikey Garcia going up against Cyril Spence Jr. I mean, you know, people are saying like, oh, why why in the world is he, you know, going up in two weight divisions to take on Errol Spence? Uh, but he wants hey, to. it's something that he wants and he feels like exactly. that's what he needs to do in order to be a pay-per-view star. Well, um, I think Tank has that mentality. I just think that the thing with him saying he got to listen to his team I think that is he he needs to say that because unlike uh, Mikey Garcia, Tank has had a history of making stupid decisions, uh, both out of the ring and in the ring. Um, he well, we don't have to rehash everything he's done because this is not the weekend to shit on him with his great performance. But he's the type of kid that I think. He needs to be kept in line, basically. And I think that with Mayweather seemingly taking a more hands-on approach, uh, I did notice that Showtime was even promoting him more than usual on their social media platforms. They were liking and retweeting everything from celebrities. They were posting even celebrity walk-ins when when they came to Tank's fight uh, yesterday. So I do think they are trying to show Tank, hey, listen, all you have to do is keep your nose clean and everything else will take care of. So I think that for 
both his team and him, they need to build that trust together. And I think that that's why he's saying, I'm going to let my team do it. He's trying to put that trust in them. And it looks like they're trying to reciprocate by keeping him active and promote him the way he's supposed to be promoted. Yeah. Um, he has a, it was good that you brought up that whole thing about, you know, how Showtime kind of like was boosted above and, uh, you know, people kind of like sh- uh, showing on social media, like these are the people that are, you know, coming in to see uh, Gavante Davis, um, you know, fight. Uh, out there in California, um, you know, you had a, uh, what was it, Steven Espinosa's suite kind of listening to people uh, that came out there uh, for for Gavante um, Davis's fight, you know, including um, Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, other um, stars and things like that. Um, yep. So they're kind of like trying to, you know, build them up to say, okay, this is the next exciting fighter uh, out there in the sport of boxing and you should follow him because you got all these other people other out there that are coming out to see him in action. Yeah, I think that's the right thing uh, for them to do because, you know what, the kid deserves it because I think his talent deserves it. He was a standout amateur. He um, has had a pretty damn good career. He's only 24 years old. He's already beat the likes of Jose Pedraza, blew him out. He, he beat Liam Walsh in the U.K., blew him out. He beat Fonseca. He beat uh, Quajar. So, you know, he's, he got some some decent names. Even even a Cristobal Cruz is a decent name because he's a former champion. So he does have some decent names on his resume already at the age of 24, not like a certain heavyweight that you like to criticize. So I think from here on out, Tank Davis, even if he's not fighting the sexiest names, keep him busy until he can get those big fights. Now, everyone's talking about him matching up against, I guess, the Tevin Farmer. Uh, I'm not sure if that's doable. I'm, I'm not, I don't know how many more fights Farmer has on his deal with Matchroom, but uh, if the deal's almost up, I'm pretty sure the PBC wouldn't mind putting that fight on somewhere on the East Coast, probably in New York. Because you know they want the Philly crowd and they want the DC crowd to come, so I, I think that's a doable fight as long as his contract is up with uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. I don't think it's doable because Eddie Hearn wants to bring it to the zone. There's no reason to do that. Um, people were talking about him fighting Machado, but Machado got clipped, so that's out the window. I don't know if there's like a clamoring to see him fight Andrew Cancio. I, I doubt it. Uh, Virgil, <laughs> maybe. Virgil doesn't seem like he's interested in fighting any live bodies, so who knows if he wants to fight Tank Davis. Maybe the fight that we're going to see for Tank Davis is one of the featherweights moving up to to, to fight him. Yeah, um, yeah. But real quick, we, we just see the Okada Ida right here from Ramundo Beltran. In the ninth round to go down to the canvas, so uh, Beltran just scored another knockdown uh, on Okada, and, and I mean we're seeing here if um, here we got more than a minute left here, and Okada's in real trouble uh, here against Beltran, and he got to do something here or else, um, oh well, he went down. Oh, I thought he went down to the canvas there again, um, but he got oh oh there you go, he went down the canvas, and I think the 
Let me see. Did they? Yep, they did stop the fight. Your corner came in and stopped the fight. So, Ramundo Beltran just scored a ninth, ninth round uh, stoppage over Okada to, you know, give Okada his uh, first loss of his career. Um, but um, I want you to, uh, like, bring back uh, the point that you were talking about here before, you know, we just uh, got that live um, update in reference to Ramundo Beltran. Uh, we're talking about uh, Burchell and a uh, potential matchup for Davis. Yeah, for Davis. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to come from the featherweight because, you know, say what you want about uh, the TBC brand, they actually do end up matching their fighters. It might take a little while, but they do match their fighters up in, in fights that we want to see. Uh, for example, we did eventually get uh, Thurman versus Garcia. We got Thurman versus Porter. We got Porter versus Garcia. So they do match up with each other. Now, the question is, is any of the PBC featherweights like Leo or Gary Russell going to be interested in moving up to fight Tank Davis? That That's really going to be the question because Tank, is, he's a nasty character. I don't think Burchelt really wants to fight Davis, and I don't think the fight is doable, obviously, because of network issues. Um, would Davis be interested in going up to 135 to fight, you know, maybe a Robert Easter or something like that? Uh, who, who knows? Uh, it's just time will tell. The The main focus should be staying active. Line him up. Let him knock him down. I don't want to hear any talk about Lomachenko. We know the Lomachenko fight is not going to happen because of network issues. I know the boxing uh, public wants to say that Tank is avoiding Lomachenko somehow. But I guarantee you if Bob Arum said, you know what, we'll lend you Lomachenko, he could go fight on Showtime. I guarantee you that fight would get done in a New York minute. People need to be more realistic about where we stand with the, with the TV wars that's going on. One thing I like about the PBC people is that they just say it publicly. They're like, listen, you're on the wrong side of the street. That's why the fight's not going to happen. And people get mad at that, and they make it seem like that's ducking. No, they're actually being honest. They're not going to pay lip service to the whole PR. Well, if there's a chance when we can make the fight. No, we know the fight can't happen. So don't tell me the fight's going to happen, Bob Arum, when you know it's not going to happen. Okay? Don't, 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 don't feed me that. The public seems to want to be fed PR. And it seems like recently the PBC fighters, the welterweights, even the great heavyweight from Alabama, he's not interested in, in giving you the PR spin. He's going to tell you how it is. Listen, I don't like the deal. I'm not going to take the deal. If, if, you want, if you want to fight me, this is what I want. Got to meet my asking price. Then I'm going to move on to something else. Call it what you want. I, I'd rather these fighters be upfront and honest than to, to, to lie about it and pretend like they're trying to make these fights when we know that they're not trying to make these fights. Well, in the case of uh, top rank, it doesn't really seem like they are really inclined to, you know, make most of those fights, especially when you have um, guys from other factions that, you know, could, you know, even try to put a few things together for their fighters to go on other networks to uh, get fights done and get fights made. Um, I mean, you have the, you know, little example with um, Gary Russell Jr. taking on Jojo Diaz, uh, where Diaz is under, you know, uh, the promotion of the Golden Boy. 
um, at the time, you know, in order to, you know, for him to have his shot at the uh, WBC featherweight championship. Uh, so, I mean, if they're, you know, able to do that, then, you know, why not have one of your guys at top rank uh, go over to the other side, you know, other side of the uh, sticks and, you know, try to get fights made or get fights done. Um, in the in the case of um, Gavante Tank Davis and, you know, talking about um, Tevin Farmer, well, I mean, Tevin Farmer has his upcoming uh, fight coming on uh, March 16th uh, in Philadelphia, but you know, other after that, we got to see what what'll happen next for him. I mean, while he is you know currently fighting under the zone, his main promoter is uh, Lou DeBella, so Lou DeBella could uh, try to get uh, Tevin Farmer in a you know in another direction or or try to get some other fights that don't necessarily have to be on the zone tonight. I mean, it's not like he's in uh, you know under complete control in the match room. Uh, he's there with um, Lou DeBella, so we got to see uh, what Tevin Farmer does after he gets his uh, hometown fight in uh, with the title that he currently has. So, I mean, that's what we have with that. Um, now, one of the uh, other things that we did kind of like bring up in the conversation there with uh, Tank Davis's win over Hugo Ruiz uh, was the other WBA super featherweight title uh, that was put on the line <laughs> on the same day over in Indio, California. Champ, right? <laughs> and uh, you had Alberto Machado uh, there going into the defend the title against Andrew Conceal. Um, Machado was going in there undefeated. It was going to be his uh, third defense of that super featherweight title against Andrew Conceal, uh, came in there and, uh, with the record of 19-4-2. and two. Uh, This was, you know, his first um, world title shot uh, there. So, I mean, this is, um, you know, something where you, you kind of like seeing Conceal, you know, try to see if he could uh, step up to the challenge there against uh, Alberto Machado. Um, in the first round, he had, you know, a, a bad start. He was, you know, down. Uh, in the first round, but it was able to have like a good little scrap between the two on the uh, second and third rounds. But in the fourth round, uh, Machado got caught and uh, was hurt, uh, got knocked down uh, pretty much like early in the fourth and then got knocked down once again. And, you know, eventually um, he got uh, taken out and uh, they stopped the fight there in the uh, fourth round. Uh, for Andrew Conceal to win that super featherweight title and uh, hand Alberto Machado his first loss of his career. Now, you know, like you were saying there, uh, Matt, you don't really necessarily see uh, Cancio, uh going up against uh, Tank Davis in the near future. But, I mean, if you, you know, were trying to get fights for uh, Tank Davis for him to be busy in 2019, I don't see, you know, why, why not, you know, give Cancio a little – opportunity out there unless they're going to try to uh, organize a rematch between uh, Machado and uh, Cancio in the near future. (laughs) That'll be interesting. Um, I I think it's interesting to note that Cancio was not ranked in the top 20 of any sanctioning bodies. So this was really supposed to be uh, 
uh, stay busy, just get your name out there, one-sided fight. And Machado got completely wrecked. And I want to address the people who say that Machado was, was the real WBA champion. Just because the WBA made a mistake and named him the super champion doesn't mean that he's the real champ. Since he's won the title, he's fought no one. Like, literally, he's fought no one that you've ever heard of. I, I, I can remember thinking back uh, when you did the show where we were talking about him fighting uh, the, the African guy who was having his first fight that he got paid for. Uh, what was that, Mensa? Mensa. On HBO? It was the first fight yeah. that he actually got paid for. So don't tell me this guy's the real champion, all right? The real champion is not going to fight some guy who literally has never been paid for in a fight before. And then he fought uh, Ewan Dale Evans, who's yep. never done anything of note in, in, in boxing. So this guy, he was just, I, I guess, fighting to stay active, which is great. I appreciate that. But don't say this guy's the real champion because um, – now, all of a sudden, he's talking about moving up to 135 because he felt so weak. Don't make excuses. You know, you lost. You got beat. You lost. He beat you to the body. You ain't like that. And, and you lost. It is what it is. Now, you move on. Hopefully, um, uh, Machado can can re- regroup and maybe reclaim some of the little bit of name that he was making for himself. He's still not close to being a household name, but he was getting a little buzz among the PBC haters because they like the storyline if he's the real champion. Um, but he, he had a piss-poor performance. That's, that's the best way I can put it. He was poor. He got beat by a nobody. He got beat by a tomato can, basically. And I think it's telling. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched the broadcast, but after, after he lost, they didn't even interview him. They just did a promo for uh, – Jacobs versus Canelo. I got in the ring and started talking about Jacobs versus Canelo. So I'm like, they didn't even show this guy the respect that a uh, quote-unquote real champion deserves. So uh, I don't know where he goes from here. I guess we're going to just have to find out. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing there is, like like you said, in reference to Machado, I mean, he gets that, you know, win over Jezreel Corrales and I mean, even even then with uh, Jezreel Corrales, we weren't really, like, kind of highly rating Corrales as a, uh, you know, world champion either. So, I mean, yeah, the thing with Machado was, I mean, you had to have him really step up against a highly ranked competition there in the super featherweight division, and you didn't really see that uh, coming out of him. So, uh, with him having this, uh, fight against Cancel, it was just like, oh, this is going to be a ho-hum type of, you know, event there uh, for him to kind of like go through the motions and get a win. But uh, it ended up backfiring on him, and he ended up losing and losing uh, that particular belt. Um, you know, with in reference to Cancel, I, I mean, with that, with that being said, uh, if it was, you know, very unexpected, then uh, who knows what they're going to do next with Cancio because it's not like, you know, they kind of like said, oh, what if he wins? They probably didn't, you know, kind of like uh, have that in their expectations. So now with Cancio winning, um, 
now they got to figure out what what his uh, next direction is going to be uh, there while having that version of the uh, super featherweight title uh, oh, I, there. I know what they're uh, going to do with Castillo. I know exactly what they're going to do with Castillo. They're going to feed him to King Ra, Ryan Garcia. That's what they're gonna oh, do. man. <laughs> You know what they? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's there, and he's you know in the top five of the uh, WBA rankings. So you know they'll say, "Hey, look, give Ryan here's a perfect opportunity for Ryan Garcia to get some type of belt." Exactly. Um, you know, right there. So you know, go ahead and uh, have a Cancio fight Ryan Garcia, and, and there you go. You got you got his uh, title shot out there. And um, he won't necessarily have to worry about, you know, going up against uh, Masayuki Ito for the WBO uh, Super Featherweight title out there. Yeah, Just getting another caller in here, Erico813. Um, tell us name where you're calling from, man. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, Terrell Paul from Tampa. And just going to add in, I'm sure you guys have already discussed the fact about uh, the uh, WBA has had uh, Machado as a champion. Uh, didn't, never lost, never lost his belt ring, of course, until last night. And of course, and had to simultaneously have the uh, uh, tank uh, as a champion, the super champion as well, which is ridiculous. But uh, I, I digress. I'm sure you guys already already uh, uh, discussed that. But it's just, that's just ridiculous. So I'm not sure. And even on, on top of that, so you had these two guys fighting on the same night, different fights, of course. But fighting on the same night for once again the defense of the same film, which is once again predicted. And we've seen this quite a, quite a few times before within the WBA uh, and particularly the WBC. But we'll move on. Yep. Um, so, uh, Terrell, what, what's your thoughts about, you know, the thing there with uh, Machado, uh, losing Cancillo, and also uh, Tate Davis's um, one round knockout of Hugo Ruiz? Well, and, and just and I mean, I guess the biggest story is the fact that uh, Machado lost, like like uh, Matt said, to a tomato can of virtual no one, and it's probably a, a great, great uh, follow-up line when he said that they're probably beat him to Brian Garcia, who of course they're trying to with Golden Boy pushing to the top. It's an excellent uh, opportunity for him to, to grab a title from from no one, because if not, uh, if I was if I was a champion at, at one thirty. I'll be looking for a unification right away with, with, with this guy, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure who his promotion team is behind him, but obviously he's he's gonna uh, go for where the money's at, and uh, he'll be a sacrificial lamb to whoever. That's pretty much what's gonna happen to him. Uh, in regards to Tank, uh, impressed. <laughs> I mean, we we know that Ruiz was a last minute replacement. We know that he last fought in uh, January and was. Pretty much unopposed in that fight, uh, but play again of, of that of that one round uh, destruction. That right hook. Imagine how uh, how hard he had to hit this, this kid to have that delayed reaction, slight delayed reaction, and for him to go down and the space comes up into a bloody mess. I mean, he must have knocked. The, I said he knocked the living shit out of that guy. <laughs> so, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed. But uh, one thing, uh, some people say he's the next face of boxing. I'm not putting him there yet because he has to fight 
more top level opposition and and, and have a few for a few more accomplishments to to be on that top level. Because I'm not necessarily going to put Tank in my top ten pound for pound. Maybe now, but definitely not to face a box yet. So I'll I'll hold up on that. But impressive, definitely impressive. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah we were talking about earlier like what his uh, possibilities would be uh, coming uh, next. As he says that he wants to be more active this year. You know, after just having a one fight per year over the past. A couple of years in uh, 2017 and 2018, so uh, we're trying to see if uh, maybe he could arrange something for being on the undercard of uh, Wilder 52, if that uh, goes down in May, or uh, have some type of fight uh, later on, like in uh, June or July, and you know maybe insert a couple more fights in uh, there before he gets a high, higher profile fight against um, anyone else there that's in that uh, super featherweight division. Um, but also, uh, we had like the, uh, undercard of, um, these fights uh, here that were both in California. You did have, uh, Ray Vargas defend his, uh, WBC Super Bantamweight Championship against, uh, Franklin Manzanilla, and he scores a unanimous decision victory, uh, there to retain that Super Bantamweight title, but it kind of like seems like he's, perfectly uh content uh finding uh fighting these uh contenders there at Super Bantamweight. I haven't really seen them have any hints of, you know, trying to unify or uh going up against the uh <clears throat> excuse me, the <clears throat> the uh top guys uh there in the Super Bantamweight division. Um first uh there with Matt. What what's your thoughts about uh, Ray Vargas and his uh current status uh there in the Super Bantamweight uh, division. I wasn't really impressed with him last night. Um, he needs to unify and unify quickly because he only got paid, I think, like 75000 last night. If he wants to make money in Boston where he can retire and take care of himself, he needs to start getting these bigger bouts. He needs to either fight, I'd say, maybe fight, who, who is this kid? Um, that beat uh, Dog Bay. Navarrete in a nice little Mexican battle. He, he could fight Rigo, you know? Fight somebody at, at, at 122 just to – you got to do something. I, I'm not impressed. He has a nice little record, but who has he really beat? Does anyone really care? If you got a headline anywhere, what, like what, what, what's his career plan? Like if he's content with his current position – then I'd be disappointed with that because that would mean that he has no ambition, no desire to be great or no desire to make any type of money in, in boxing. Yeah, it it, it just seems like, uh, yeah, you do have that thing there with uh, Emmanuel Navarrete there, you know, recently winning that WBO version of a Super Bantamweight title over Isaac Dogbo. But um, I think after that particular fight, I kind of like seeing Navarrete possibly going up against Diego De La Hoya. So that might happen, but I'm not necessarily sure because they probably would want to see it, but De La Hoya could uh, get a world title shot. Um, yeah, but for, for Ray Vargas, man, yeah, it just seems like he is perfectly content and just chilling uh, there with that WBC belt, not really, you know, fighting any uh, of those uh, highly ranked guys uh, that are out there. So, I mean, 
he he yeah, like you said, he's gonna have to try to get more of those higher profile fights there at Super Bantamweight. If and if he can't, you know, find it there at Super Bantamweight, then you're probably gonna have to go up another division to try to find him uh, out there. Because um, yeah, with that type of performance against Manzanilla, I mean, you're not gonna raise any eyebrows with something like that uh, there uh, coming out of that particular fight. Yeah. Yep. In the second round, yep. Jesus Christ, what, what's up with these with this man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's supposed to be the, you know, you know, trying to see if he's the man there at Super Bantamweight, he can't be uh, getting knocked down or you know having that type of slip up, you know, against. Um, a guy of uh, Manzanilla's uh, caliber, so. Yeah, you know, it's like the only boxers that. that's looking to challenge themselves are Mikey Garcia and Deontay Wilder. <clears throat> oh, uh, Mikey Garcia, all right. So we got Mikey Garcia <laughs> out there, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> and. And, uh, you know, also, you know, we also had, like, out there in action. I'm I'm, I'm sure that uh, Matt uh, was a uh, – was very disappointed uh, to see that uh, Ishay Smith fell by third-round stoppage to Erickson Lubin, and that is the last fight of Ishay Smith's decorated career uh, out there. So um, you had Lubin. Uh, Lubin, you know, is pretty much from the um, Orlando area. Um, you know, had his uh, title shot um, back in uh, October 2017 against Jamel Charlo, but I uh, got caught with a right hand in the first round and uh, was uh, stopped in. So he's, you know, had like a good little time to try to get back in the game so he has his fight against um you know Ishay Smith and uh Ishay Smith just uh, got knocked down a few times and in his corner ended up uh stopping the bout in uh, round three uh for Eric Lubin to score uh that the twentieth round of his uh, pro career and uh, give Ishay Smith his eleventh loss so he finishes E.J. Smith finishes his career with uh, 40 professional fights, uh, 29 wins, 11 losses, and uh, that was actually his first stoppage loss of his uh, pro career, um, given that he's been in the game, you know, since 2000. So it's a long career for him, but uh, hey, that that's kind of like how it is sometimes in the pro game. Uh, we've got another caller in here from the 202. What's going on with you? You went on the Boxing Source Radio Show. Hey, what's going on, fellas? This is World Rank checking in. Uh, if my sound quality not good, please let me know. Uh, I just got in, so I'm hearing y'all talk about E.J. Smith. Uh, you know, it, it was a surprise to me that Lubin stopped him. But you know, as you get you know you get older in the game, uh, sometimes you know it's your time. And I think it's now. I think he announced E.J. Smith announced his retirement uh, after the fight. So. Um, 
he he made a lot in the sport. He was the first uh, Vegas-born uh, world champion, so uh, he did make some type of noise in the boxing world. So, uh, you know, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he did have that, you know, time when he was able to win a uh, Super Welterweight title uh, back in 2013 and, and then eventually get a few uh, title shots uh, later on down the line. Uh, but, he, yeah, he kind of, like, floated around back there, you know, fighting a few notable guys, but, you know, didn't really have a uh, point where he was a serious uh, contender in the – uh, super welterweight division uh, out there, but you know, still was able to you know make his way, um, and you know also you know floating in there. Like I said, in uh, super super welterweight, um, he did have his uh, short time there in the uh, middleweight division as well. Uh, a couple of times, I'm finding like Sergio Mora and uh, Daniel Jacobs. So uh, he's had you know, his little run in, in his career. But, yeah, like you said, man, sometimes when it's time, then you, you'll pretty much uh, figure it out when you, you know, can't really compete against uh, those uh, there that are, you know, kind of like really trying to uh, make their name in the in the uh, division out there. Yeah, he had some, uh, he had some decent fights. Uh, you know, he was always competitive in all his fights. I know um, – there are a couple of fights early in his career, not early in his career, but when he was a contender that he didn't get the decision. Uh, I believe one of them was Danny Jacobs when he was coming up. I, I remember, I think that was a close fight. Uh, he had one with Fernando Guerrero uh, that he uh, probably should have got the decision. So he was always in all of his fights uh, all the way to the end of his career. So uh, credit to him. Yo, um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of those uh, times there, you know, against uh, like you said, uh, Fernando Guerrero, he did like have a close fight there, uh, but was uh, you know kind of like um, you know penalized for you know a couple of things, either was like holding or hitting after Bella stuff like that. Uh, but you know, like I said, he he had been competitive in pretty much all of his fights that he had been in, so it wasn't like you know he lost and got blown out by his you know, his opponents. He just was a tough out for anybody that he faced in there. Um, hey, Matt, what you got to say on uh, E.J. Smith's loss to Eric Salubis? Well, Smith, was, he was just a good pro. You know, he, he's what we would call a gatekeeper. You know, like a notch above journeyman. But he always gave it a good go. I hope he's happy in retirement. I was very impressed with Lubin was not expecting him to get the stoppage. I really wasn't. I was actually pleasantly surprised. when I, I didn't catch a lot, but I had to watch the replay because I was at a baby shower. But um, he was really impressive. Let's see if he can recover from getting smoked by Charlo. Let's see if he can match up with the Herds, the J-Rocks, the Charlos, and I guess now the Tony Harrisons of the world. Yeah. Uh, let's see if he can match up with Castano, Lara, the guys like that. Get him in these fights, and let's see how he does. Let's see if he can realize the potential that he was marked with at the beginning of his career, basically. Yeah, um, you know, up to the point where he was, you know, going to face Javel Charlie, he had, like, a lot of momentum, even though he didn't really have that many 
um, fights around that level at the time. Um, when he did uh, score that uh, knockout, I think it was um, part of the undercard with uh, Gamonte Davis over in the Barclays Center, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that, you know, he kind of like put that momentum on and just um, tried to use that to go up against Jamel Charlo without, you know, getting, you know, more fights under his belt uh, there first. Um uh, and then he just was there with, uh, you know, way too much momentum and just got kind of really eager and then got caught in close quarters against uh, Jamel Charlo and, you know, a, uh, kind of like a knock knockdown that was probably one of the most vicious uh, knockdowns of that year. Uh, but, you know, now, yeah, so, um, so now he's, you know, had a couple of fights uh, there so far. Um, scored a couple of knockouts, but now it's time to, like like you said, um, gradually build him up uh, to see, you know, what he does against the likes of, uh, you know, J-Rock Williams or uh, anyone else that's out there uh, within that uh, Super Bowl division. Um, I mean, you, you got guys like Patrick Day, Roberto Garcia, um Yo, Arizona Lara has a fight coming up, so um, you got to see what happens with Lara uh, coming up. I think his fight's in March. Uh, yeah, March second against Castano. Yeah, March second. Yeah, and uh, see what happens uh, after that to see if okay, maybe I could you know face the likes of a you know a Lara or J Rock Williams to see um, how he does. But uh, for me, I think. With uh, Williams, I think J-Rock's going to end up fighting Jared Hurd next uh, since he's, you know, number one in the IBF ranking. So that might be where J-Rock ends up uh, fighting. So uh, we'll have to see here with uh, Eric Lubin if they could, you know, kind of like gradually move him up there and and then uh, give him a uh, eventual title shot later on down the line. Um, Terrell, any thoughts about uh, Eric Lubin or uh, Isha Smith? No, I mean, I certainly agree with, with all everything that you guys have already said about this fight. Uh, I mean, the casual fan will look at this as a, a 23-year-old going against a 40-year-old, and that's a 23-year-old did what he had to do. Uh, but we just just uh, when you take a little bit closer, uh, we, like I said, Ishii Simmons has been a guy that's been a, and, uh, he's been always been a durable guy, always gave us up back for not having to, to have that championship caliber to, to become an elite fighter. So basically, he's been a B B level fighter at best, and he, and even with that, he's he's made some achievements. So so kudos to him, and hope he does uh, reti- stay retired at this point. Uh, but more more so about about Lubin, as we know, he got knocked out by Charlo back in 2017. Uh, to that point, he stringed strung together a couple couple wins, things like that. Good for him. But <laughs> like like he really want to know who he is until he faces that top level of uh, competition at 154. And not only for him, but you want to look at his trainer too, Kerry Cunningham. So we know Kerry Cunningham trained uh, Lubin, uh, 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 we trained him and also Broner. Uh, and as we pointed out before with, with certain trainers, how much can a trainer change you and make you better? So now going forward for Erickson Lubin, we're going to be looking at him and particularly at, at Kerry Cunningham because we know what happened with Broner. Uh, some would say they expected that, uh, but at the same time, your trainer it should be able to elevate you and motivate you to be a better fighter to get to, so you can maximize your talent 
and potential. So we won't know uh, Lubin's story until he faces that top tier. Period. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, the thing with Lubin is that he 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 looks like he has the talent and that he could, you know, put things together to be a very good fighter there in the Super Walkway division. It's just that, you know, his confidence got the best of him uh, when he took on Jamel Charlo, and he ended up paying a price for it. So now he's got to, like, clean himself up, get back in there, and, you know, try to go up against the uh, other guys that are out there in uh, Super Welterweight division before he gets that opportunity uh, for a world title there uh, once again. So you do have that. Um, right now, uh, we pretty much, uh, you know, got... All right, go ahead. Uh, on to the, to the Lubin point I, I want to make. Um, to be fair, in the Charlo fight, he didn't really get a chance to show us anything, and when we when we first talked after the fight, when we talked about uh, how embarrassing or you know how tough a loss that was, and how he was going to come back. Now I'm gonna give him a little credit because he has come back pretty strong to stop Ishay Smith, even though Ishay's whatever um, version that is, just to stop Ishay is commendable because um, there were a lot better fighters who couldn't stop Ishay. So I do want to say that he's looked pretty well so far since the comeback. But I don't want to put too much into the Charlo fight because now I don't know if you guys missed this or when Charlo knocked him down, he actually landed the elbow. And I think that played a significant part in Lubin being stopped. It was not a clean punch, in my opinion, from the stoppage from when I saw the replays. So I'm not I'm, – when I first saw the fight, I took a lot out of it. It thought Lubin uh, wasn't ready. But now as I look back on it, I don't want to put too much into the actual fight because I actually think Charlo did land at the elbow part of that punch. So I just wanted to keep that, add that in there. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to go back into that to see if uh, yeah, his elbow you're also caught uh, Lubin's chin uh, before Lubin uh, went on his way down there because uh, that would be, you know, a significant part of, you know, why he was, you know, really out of sorts when he, you know, got got taken down to the canvas and then, you know, in his uh, attempt to get back up because he, you know, did try to, you know, get back up really fast after that, uh, but his, you know, equilibrium was out of sorts, so that kind of, you know, threw his lower, lower body off and he couldn't really um, – get up the way that he wanted to in order to, you know, continue or try to continue in that particular fight uh, out there. Uh, less than 30 seconds in for those listening in and want to uh, get in for the overtime section, call in at 347-237-5539. Uh, right now live, uh, we got the start of that uh, WBC uh, super featherweight title uh, there on the line between uh, Jose Ramirez and Jose Cepeda. So that is, you know, now, you know, pretty much I'm more than one minute in the first round. Uh, so y'all can check that out on ESPN. Um, you know, here in the overtime section of the show, just, uh, you know, looking ahead to uh, what's coming up. Uh, you have on uh, Friday, you're going to have uh, Rob Brandt 
uh, defending his uh, version of the middleweight title against uh, Kazan Besagurov. He almost <laughs> ran into a wall here trying to pronounce that. Uh, but, yeah, you have uh, Kazan Besagurov uh, going up against Rob Brandt uh, for uh, Brandt's version of the uh, middleweight title that's going to be on ESPN, uh, around ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. And uh, also on the uh, 16th, you're going to have Leo Santa Cruz defending his against Rafael Rivera at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, um, you know, going up, um, you know, uh, making another defense of that version of the uh, featherweight title that he won from Carl Frampton. Uh, so you're going to see a little bit of uh, world title action uh, there next week, um, you know, just looking ahead. Uh, there on um, the uh, 15th and the 16th um, before we kind of like get into the thick of things um, going in the future, like uh, James DeGale against Chris Eubank Jr. And uh, also uh, one uh, callers, one of the uh, one uh, favorite fight of one of the callers on here, Luis King Kong Ortiz against uh, Christian Hammer. Uh, so we do uh, have that there um, in the near uh, future. Um, just uh, looking at, you know, what else is, um, you know, potentially out there. Um, like I said, on March 2nd, Luis Ortiz against Christian Hammer. Um, you know, you do have, uh, like you were saying uh, there, Matt, you have um, Arislane Lara going up against uh, Brian Carlos Casano uh, for a version of the Super Welterweight title. Um, but also, um, in uh, March 9th, you're going to have uh, Sean Porter against Dennis Ugas and also Dimitri Babal defending his light heavyweight title against Joe Smith Jr. So that's a, you know, pretty much a pretty busy uh, set of fights there over the next few weeks uh, that we have here in the sport of boxing. Um, is there anything that you're uh, looking at in particular from uh, those fights uh, there? I'm going to start with Matt on this. Um, not really. I just want to see my man Ortiz continue to show why he's the most feared boxer in the sport. Um, Anthony Joshua ducked him. Only Deontay Wilder had the courage to take him on. Um, Billy and White called him out and then subsequently ducked him. All these guys speak the name of King Kong Ortiz, but um, only Deontay Wilder had the balls to step in the ring with him. So, I'm looking to see him bang out Christian Hammer. Hopefully he does it quickly so he could have time to um uh make a maybe summer date. Maybe he could do a show down in Florida. Or maybe he could um finally fight Dillian White. Maybe he could be the guy that Usyk makes his debut against. You never know. So um I'm looking forward to that. I wanna see what Castano has at the at the top level. You know, a lot of people might think that Laura is done, but the fight with Hurd was very close, you know? So I want to see if this guy, Castano, is the real deal. He hasn't really fought anyone that I care too much about, so I, I do want to see how he does against someone like Laura. Um, Sean Porter against Ugas uh, is a who cares? I don't really care about that. Uh, Sean Porter better win. I, I haven't seen anything from Ugas that makes me think he could beat Porter. But it's boxing, so you never know. Uh, that's 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 really it, man. When, when we gonna start talking about um this uh 
this AJ Miller thing, man. Oh, uh, we'll 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 soon talk about the uh, thing there with uh, Anthony Joshua and Jarrell Miller, which is planned to be at Madison Square Garden uh, in June, where you know I will eventually uh, enjoy a steak dinner after that fight is done. Uh, but that, that that those details will be uh, disclosed a little bit later. Now, um, <laughs> I was you know kind of tickled about your comment about uh, Luis Ortiz because uh, you know people that really know Ortiz is actually a myth, and I got something um, in reference to uh, Luis Ortiz too because um, kind of like stumbled upon an article. Uh, that was made in the past, but I think it was, uh, you know, made by somebody that's a controversial figure in the sport of boxing. So maybe a few people won't uh, hold this article in high regard because of the author of it. Um, but uh, before I get into that, uh, World Rank, you got any comments on uh, any uh, any of the fights that are coming up? Yeah, man, I'm interested in a Castano one because I think it's Castano's coming out party. Uh, he's one, I think he's about to be a name in the junior middleweight division. Um, wow! So, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, to that. Um, the Ortiz uh, situation that he's talking about. I mean, I think Ortiz is one of those guys where people just want to avoid him, and I don't see him. There's, I don't see there's any any way to him getting a championship belt or getting another meaningful fight. I think. He's just always been at the point where he's just been good enough, but not at the point where somebody has to face him. And as long as I don't have to face him, uh, speaking in terms of the heavyweight division, why should I? Why should I face him? Wilder took that opportunity. Uh, I truly believe Wilder didn't really have other avenues in terms of a name that he could get at that time. So Ortiz was kind of put upon him. But everybody else has been able to avoid him, and I think they're going to continue to be able to. Um, you've seen the WBA play with him. You've seen certain situations play around him. I just think, you know, he's just going to be one of those guys that just, you know, avoided for the rest of his career. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of find that, uh, you know, semi-interesting because, um, like I said, I, I've actually posted a public video last year uh, telling folks that Luis Ortiz is a myth and that, you know, the opportunities that have been out there for him were available, but he and his management weren't able to take them uh, when they were, you know, pretty much out there for him. So, I mean, this whole thing with uh, him, you know, eventually uh, facing Christian Hammer and this super myth about, Anthony Joshua ducked Luis Ortiz when Luis Ortiz had multiple attempts to face Anthony Joshua, not just last year, but even this year as well, um, because Joshua did mention Ortiz's name as one of those potential opponents, but we didn't hear anything from Luis Ortiz until we heard about AJ versus Miller. So that, you know, that's what we have on that. But like I said, uh, I did stumble on a fairly controversial article about Luis Ortiz in reference to a certain program that one of the callers holds in fairly high regard. So I will, you know, get into the actions of this so-called clean boxing program in the near future as that 
Ortiz fight versus Christian Hamner uh, gets closer uh, to happening. Um, Terrell, anything that you're looking out for? Yeah, probably uh, in regards to the fight that you mentioned, probably the most, one of the most interesting is the Leo Santa Cruz fight. And I just want to hope that he emerges from that, he victorious and keeps his title. And the reason why I say that, uh, another person that's out there in that class, uh, Gary Russell Jr., uh, proclaims that he only has so many fights left, a couple of years left, maybe something like that, and he wants the biggest fight. So, so that's why we want Leo Santa Cruz to emerge from that. And hopefully, uh, get a fight, a unification fight lined up with Leo Santa Cruz. That would be a great match, uh, size, skill, things like that. Uh, but even going back to the fight you guys are talking about now with uh, King Kong Ortiz, right, continues to be uh, just a, a person of interest in the heavyweight division, quote-unquote, uh, quote-unquote, quote, uh, aborted, uh, things like that. Uh, but even just going back to, you look at the WBC, right, so, uh, Jillian White has been the number one, number one contender for quite some time. Uh, Ortiz is up there as a contender uh, near the top as well. So I would have loved to see those two guys that fight uh, coming up real soon. That's probably not going to happen in April because, I mean, White's ladies are come back in April after 0-2-10 or something like that. Uh, I don't think his opponent's been named yet. So Ortiz's Ortiz name has been uh, mentioned several times. But, I mean, bottom line, you look at it. The WBC title is locked up for, for the immediate future with, with the Wilder Fury uh, rematch taking place, whatever they work to finish all the details for that. And we already know what's going to happen with, with, the, uh, with the, uh, Joshua. I always say the fight uh, Miller in New York, I think in June, I believe you guys mentioned. So that's not going to happen. And you already know what's going to happen with that. They're going to milk that. And even, even with the, the Joshua Miller fight, I think he's safe to, to earn it. $32 million, which is ridiculous. But when you control the money, you control the money. And when you control your first bid and your offers, you you, you basically control that business and on who we fight and things like that. So so the people like uh, Dylan White, Ortiz, all your other heavyweight contenders, Joseph Parker, people like that, even your, your young bus down there, they're pretty much going to be relegated to fight each other. Uh, but at the same time, why do you want to risk your position in doing that? So it's just it's it's kind of I don't know, you know. In the end, we don't we're not going to get the best matches that we want to see. So these bottom guys are going to just just keep fighting, take the fights to stay active. Hopefully, one day you get a chance to fight kind of in that respective division. Yeah, that's a good little a few things that you did cover there. Uh, you know, first uh, thing with uh, Leo Santa Cruz. You know, with his, uh, you know, upcoming bout uh, there against Rafael Rivera, you know, eventually if he's, you know, able to take care of business there, then, you know, maybe um, he'll eventually have that uh, unification bout with Gary Russell Jr. But, you know, uh, Santa Cruz has been, you know, known to, you know, maybe sidestep the um, bigger fights that could, could have been available for him. Uh, there because they didn't want him to kind of like lose in a uh, certain way they kind of like um, diminish his overall profile uh, so while he may be able to you know get past his uh, fight here with uh, Rafael Rivera um, his you know kind of like his reluctance to uh, fight at uh, Gary Russell Jr. or his you know lack of interest in fighting Gary Russell Jr. 
has uh, been an eye raiser of sorts uh, there, especially when, um, you know, those two guys are clearly um, the top two guys in the uh, featherweight division. So, um, you know, as far as like that particular fight is concerned, we'll have to wait and see if uh, Santa Cruz is going to uh, actually address that <clears throat> if he gets his uh, win over Rafael Navarro. Uh, Rivera, but in reference to the uh, heavyweight scene, uh, you do have uh, Dylan White um, officially uh, scheduled for a fight in the Oats Arena. Um, that's uh, you know slated for April 20th. Um, kind of like putting that as uh, him uh, fighting Alexander Povetkin, so it'll be a you know a high-profile matchup uh, there in the heavyweight division. Uh, you do have uh, Luis Ortiz uh, going up against Christian Hammer there on March 2nd to you know, kind of like keep him uh, within the uh, heavyweight uh, rankings there and also kind of like keep his position uh, in the WBC rankings while you have Deontay Wilder fight uh, Tyson Fury again. But uh, for Ortiz, it's just a you know, matter of uh, seeing where he's at as far as like his overall position in his career, but um, the way that his uh, past has been, you know, brought up as far as, like, you know, who he's been able to face and his, uh, you know, issues with uh, PEDs, that's what's kind of, like, uh, preventing him uh, from really being uh, put in the overall spotlight out there uh, in the heavyweight division. And um, actually that article that I was talking about uh, came you know, came about, um, what was it, back in uh, January uh, 24th of uh, 2018, uh, and it's on uh, The Ring magazine, and it was uh, something in reference to Ortiz and uh, PEDs, and the author of that article was Thomas Hauser, and uh, and, uh, I'm sure that a few people are familiar with that name in reference to a uh, high-profile boxer, that recently retired, so um, that's uh, something there that you that you know people could look up in reference to Ortiz and PEDs and what Thomas Hauser um, talked about when it came to uh, Luis Ortiz. Not only Luis Ortiz, but how um, the WBC and Alvada worked together uh, with their particular program. But um, you know, with that, uh, right now um, we have you know in action. Uh, they're round five. Uh, Jose Ramirez and Jose Cepeda uh, there. And uh, Jose Ramirez uh, currently, you know, has a cut uh, there uh, going into the start of the fifth round. But, um, you know, while that action is uh, going on, I'm going to actually put a uh, close to this version of the Boxing Source radio show. Uh, catch the next uh, version on uh, Sunday, February 17th, uh, here live for. Uh, you could also uh, find it on demand on iTunes, on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. And uh, like I say at the end of every show, the point of boxing is to hit and not to hit, not to send a trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.